recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Guestbook Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a long-awaited guest here, Joe Carroll. These are the trials and tribulations being a real estate mogul. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it that, but I am selling three townhouses off of U Street. And uh, I got a call from the agent that one of them broke into. And we didn't really know much else about it. It was it's just been broken into. So we assumed somebody entered and they didn't really find anything and they just left. But somehow we had left a key um, to one of the units in one of the drawers or something in the kitchen. So that night, I guess they stayed the night. Um, so when the agent arrived, she n- noticed in the office for her own safety. She called the police and she called me as one of the owners. And they found someone upstairs and they put him in cuffs and she called and she said, the police want to know if you're, if you want to press charges and just given my, you know, I guess overall sense, I asked, was the place damaged? Um, and they said, no. So I said, no, I don't want to press charges because I didn't want to be in a situation where I'm causing someone to have a record, even though what they did was wrong. How old were they? They were. I later found out they they were all they were kids, but I don't think they they were they were teenagers. So they were sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, sort of that and age group. How many was it? Uh, so later we found out there's like four of them. I mean, but this time when this the agent time, was there, this time it was it was probably more throughout the evening. But there was only one left. He was asleep upstairs. Oh wow! So he was the guy that probably overslept from whatever they were doing. <laughs> So I, what I think happened was the rest of them left and they're like, he was like, I'm still tired. And he slept. And then at 1030, the agent came and the police were called. And I felt good about that decision. I talked to my other partners about it. I felt good about that decision. So in the process of getting him out, he says, oh, no, I actually have a key. <laughs> so that's how we discovered that he got in the keys and that's how they got in. So the officer confiscates the keys. So then, of course, immediately I call the locksmith. Uh, the locksmith isn't able to come until a day and a half later. Mm-hmm. So then I'm sh- I'm showing up at the house this time with a locksmith on the way, and I notice the blinds are down because we have so blinds. This is two days later. This is two days later. And to, to back up a bit, mm-hmm. when he said, "Oh no, I have a key," that's what he thought would be his excuse. Yes. For getting out of it? Yes. No. Okay, continue. Yes, that he thought that would be an excuse. And maybe, you know, I have a legal background. Maybe he could make an argument that it wasn't breaking an entry. It was uh, criminal mischief or something like that, you know, because he didn't have rights to be there, but he did have a key. So he didn't have to actually break anything in. So, But he had to get the key. Yes. And the key was not outside. <laughs> the key was not originally okay. outside. But he could say... 
somebody passed it to him right all right and he didn't know what their status was blah blah i mean like yeah. i said yeah. welcome to the law ladies right, and gentlemen right. <laughs> so, so so i felt good about that decision but the next day wednesday caused me to question that decision um because i get there and the blinds are down again and i know there's someone in the house so i walk up to the house i don't feel threatened um i think that's important to to know and to note i don't feel threatened so i get to the door and I can see kids inside, three kids inside taking selfies. So they're taking selfies saying- 21st century. Right, I am in this hundreds of thousand dollars condo or or, 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 or uh, a million dollar um, townhouse. After our mans was just cuffed here two days ago. <laughs> right, right. We in here taking selfies. Hashtag we in here. <laughs> so- so then I'm like, I felt like the woman on the Metro when okay. the kids get like real rowdy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I would never be that person. They're like, shut up. And all the kids shut up. You know, they're like real rowdy. Everybody else kind of quasi scared. They don't want to say nothing. You know, the 45 year old, 50 year old woman just says, shut up. And they all shut up. And so I was like, y'all got to get out of here. like that, You know? And so they come out. And they just leave. And they, they leave in a very regular way, not in a very apologetic way. Just like, okay, we're just going to leave. Yeah. So. How many? Three. Okay. Two girls and one boy. So then the police show up and he's like, uh, are you sure everybody's out of the house? I'm like, no. I said, can you check it out for me? Um, so at that point, I didn't know what I was really asking. Because when you enter the home, and I, this is nothing against his officer. The officer was very professional. He was incredible, actually. He, in order to search the house, he drew his gun. Because it's, you know, stairs, it's corners, and we didn't know who was in there and what their intentions were. And at that moment, I was like, how did it escalate from someone breaking in on Saturday, and we don't know what they did, to me not pressing charges on Monday, to an officer drawing his gun? And what this could end up being. Now, there was no one upstairs, thank God. I, I'm sure the officer was very well trained and he would not have, it would not have been an incident. I felt like, I felt confident in the officer. But it's a it's a precarious situation because Correct. although I said I wasn't threatened, nor was I willing to walk in there without him, right? Because yeah. I didn't know, because once again, you think of like a DC home, think how tight that is. It ain't like a lot of exits. It's like you got to fight or be, be beaten down or, you know, knives or guns or whatever it is. And so, and they did cause some damage this time. So I probably would possibly made a different decision. I'm still not sure about that. But what it got to me thinking is, and this goes to God's plan. Yeah. Two days before, I heard a podcast, a uh, 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 NPR story rather, about a program in Eugene, Oregon about police and mental health professionals. So in Eugene, Oregon, they have a program, and I can't remember the name, that essentially you have an option when you call 911 to say, is this someone having a mental issue or is it like criminal? Do you feel threatened, blah, blah, blah. So then they send the mental health professionals either in concert with the policeman to calm the situation so it won't escalate or just a mental health um, professional. So uh, none of these kids had mental health issues, but it started me to think, and, um, and one of my friends, um, Rhonda Henderson, um, who should, you should also get on your podcast, um, she, she 
mentioned to me like because I, I actually go to church like two blocks from when this happened and she was like oh the church should have something for that right because I was like where do you put this in between yeah, this not nuanced so, this sort of criminal mischief no violent act where do you put these kids so that you won't put them into the system where do you how do you do this so then I thought well maybe there's a program that in between is not for mental health but for youth for people that, are, like I said, nonviolent, it's like, okay, we bring the police out, but you don't go into this program immediately. So you have a choice. You can either get arrested and get a, or you can go into this program. That's, those are your choices right here, right now. So we're not saying you're guilty. We're not saying nothing, you know. So you can decide. I don't know if that's legal. It, but had, to, it had to be quasi public. It's quasi public. And that, and, but with the mental health professionals, it's different because, you know, they have certain abilities with mental health laws but i don't know if the juvenile system is the same or this and what i'm really call, talking about is juveniles pre um the changing of the age from 21 to 18 i'm talking about that that group between 18 and 21 that so, would, so they would are be adults. adults they would be adults yeah but but they're still operating as if they have juvenile tendencies uh, right but also ju- juvenile ramifications yes Yes. To their actions. Yes. When yes. in fact, no. Yes. That's a now obviously, change. like I said, if you hurt someone, you pull a gun, and that's a whole different thing. But if it's like this sort of category of, like I said, I'm just calling criminal mischief that a 10 year old does, or an 8 year old does, or a 12 year old does, but you're just in a bigger body, right? <laughs> you know better, but you're in a bigger body. Because that's what this was. It was, they didn't trash the place. They didn't, and you know, it's some minor stuff. They were smoking and stuff like that. So some of the furniture had to be cleaned. But, but it wasn't like, we going to break everything in here and we going to steal everything in here. Because there are beds in there. There are faux TVs, you know, sofas. And they didn't take any of that stuff. So when the agent was there the first time, mm-hmm. there were three people that were cuffed. One. I'm sorry, one person that was cuffed. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, it was three people that left. That left. And across the whole aggregate of these instances it's two guys and two women yes okay yes at least at like least, I said yeah. that we saw yeah yeah so that's kind of where I enter this podcast um cause I cause I really think it really was a struggle for me you know because I have family member friends family members you know that have been in the justice system for uh, uh sort of minor reasons and it just escalated from there right and and i didn't want to be i don't want to be the cause of that sort of escalation but there's a balance right yeah and so my question where i drew the line was property damage some people will draw the line somewhere else you know, some people say just entering was enough. Some people say severe property damage. They stole something. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their own line. But what I'm saying is that if we as a society could establish that line and say there are multiple solutions other than incarceration for this type of crime um, in a volunteer basis, similar to what they do with um, people addicted to substances and, you know, they can go into programs and stuff. So, so this is just a live idea, like on <laughs> guest book, <laughs> but cause we were just talking about it, kind of get the mics warmed up and uh, it kind of evolved into this. So that's why I am with that. God's plan. God's plan. So Joe, 
Where are you from? Jacksonville, Florida. Duval. Yes, sir. You went to FAM? I went to Florida A&M University on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida. Yes, indeed. And then you went directly into consulting? Yes. Then after consulting, you, as a colleague of ours, John Green, said, uh, decide to be Barack Obama with <laughs> an MBA. <laughs> No, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Harvard Business, Harvard Law. Um, JD MBA program. JD MBA it's program. Three years, right? Four. Four years. But the you start one of them earlier. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I started in law school. Uh, I joined my business school class the second year uh, for first year. And then uh, both of those classes graduated the following year. And in the, in the fourth year, I was kind of there, just kind of. Like as that, like it's if you feel like a fifth year senior or you know something like that, you know you just kind of like floating. You know people, but you kind of know them. So it was it was interesting. It was an interesting journey, given that I did civil engineering, civil and environmental engineering in undergrad, and it was very technical to go from that to something. I felt like I was getting a liberal arts education, and especially at an institution like Harvard, that's able to like bring to bear so many different ways of thinking and uh sophistication um you know i felt i had a very strong technical base which which paid off in all my classes um but but that sort of exposure to philosophy and macroeconomics and microeconomics and all that stuff i wasn't exposed to um in undergrad so all right so before we move on to your life there's one thing i want to touch on that you once said to me that has stuck with me about going to the Ivy League schools for their MBA or even mm-hmm. their their uh, law school programs. You had said that on your second year, mm-hmm. they throw more work at you than is humanly possible to be able to <laughs> yeah. get done. Yeah, and it's by design. Yeah, because and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. The idea is we want to kind of throw you into the deep end of the mm-hmm. pool so you can figure out how you best. Mm-hmm determine prioritization mm-hmm. in the work that needs to get done mm-hmm. yes particularly in law school there's a saying that the first year they scare you to death the second year they work you to death the third year they bore you to death so so that's the idea the idea is the third year originally when they used to have like um, llbs which are bachelors in law it would just be two years the third year is sort of residence year so that's where the board the deaf so you're like writing papers and stuff like that obviously people make their own pass because you can register classes but just at stasis is sort of a little lighter whereas second year is where you have your con law your tax your corporate law and it's it, it can be a lot and, and by con law you mean constitutional, constitutional law. law okay so it can be a lot of reading and if you read every page and looked at every note and everything that they wanted you to read and, and cross-reference and all that stuff, you would be just a crazy person. I'm not saying people don't do it, but I decided like, okay, this is this is overload. So let me figure out how to do enough, not just to get by, but to succeed. And I, fi- I find the getting by is probably 70% and the succeed is probably like 85%. So there's not a big, huge delta between the two and perfection is obviously a hundred so you can't do a hundred or you you just you know be a nomad so you do 85 is there an underlying uh standard or metric or formula or i don't know what you would say but a way that regardless the situation or regardless the topic if you find that you have a whole lot of work that needs to be done there's a, a certain uh system that you use mm-hmm 
to determine prioritization or is it mm-hmm. literally each case yeah so it's interesting i i actually use um and i i cannot take credit for it, but stephen covey's four quadrants um covey is uh seven habits of highly effective people highly effective people okay so i learned this when i was uh uh probably in elementary school Mm. um shout to duval (laughs) so so it's the urgent and important uh matrix so it things are both urgent and important things are just important but not urgent things are urgent but not important and things that are neither important or urgent so i not only categorize that way but i kind of in my mind say how much time i'll spend on this task because the tasks you really want to spend most of your time on are those that are not urgent but important, which are like long range planning and, you know, philosophy. So philosophy, all the great thoughts in our mind come from that quadrant. Right. When we're just sitting there and it's not urgent, but it ends up being important. Right. And so what I just said about the breaking in with the kids, that may be the most important thing I say on this, but it's not urgent right now that I have to do it. But it may be a contribution that maybe someone hears on this podcast it wants to do because they have a lot more expertise than I do in the, in the field. But those are the things that we should spend most of our time on. So that's the God's plan quadrant. And that's the God's plan quadrant. So what is God's plan for me? You know, <laughs> and what? How do I align with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. So that's that's typically how I do it. So people f- see my notes and they're like, look, cash marks like crosses and so you see things in different and so every day i'll do a new one and and do it but like i said in the workplace it could be it would be awful sometimes people like you don't have any sense of urgency i'm like yeah i actually do and i'm pretty calm generally i may be really intense inside because i carry a lot of my stress in like my stomach and and my head but you won't be able to tell it from the outside so i'm also pretty calm so all right when did you know that you wanted to get into real estate Specifically commercial real estate. So there is a, I guess, a derivative of that. So when um, I was small, I used to collect, I used to collect anything having to do with highways being built, neighborhoods being built. So this is when I was a child, like five. So any newspaper articles from the Florida Times Union, shout out to Duval County. <laughs> I would, I would, and I, I think my mom still has it. Like, oh, the Danes Point Bridge is being built, and I would collect every article on the Danes Point Bridge. So when my sister, my sister is like one of my major mentors. Uh, shout out to her. Shout Tamika, out to her, Tamika Carol Anderson, and shout out to Gerard too. <laughs> she was like, uh, well, I think you should be a civil engineer. <laughs> And if she said it, I was like, okay, I'm down for it. She said it aligns with all the stuff. And she's only two years older than me, but she's like, all the stuff you like to collect, that's what they do. They do highways and things of that nature. But what I found when I was at FAM, I loved it because I love the science of it. I love the math. I love that stuff. But I was like, this is really slow. Like civil engineering can be very much like watching concrete dry, literally, because some of them are concrete experts. So <laughs> it was like, okay. I want to do something with cities, but this isn't it. So then I kind of thought about city planning. And then when I, so I left school and I went to Accenture, as um, Fred said, then I thought, oh, I think I actually want to be like a developer. And at first, really on the public side, uh, that's where I was really focused. Uh, So my essays to Harvard were about 
public-private partnerships, which were birthing at the time. Now they're all over the place, but when they read on the front end that way right and i was like you know 22 years old writing these essays about public partnerships and how it's going to explode and how i want to be in the middle of it and that's how i became a real estate developer so i transcended from there to here and at the time low enterprises which is my former firm they were building city vista which is one of the probably first five or ten Public, major public private partnerships on land owned by the district and you know with these like 20% affordables like the sort of formula that you see in not only the district but all around the country now it's still you know if you're going to build on public land you got to do 20% affordable you got to you got to include local businesses you got to so all that stuff was thrown in there and I was like this is where I want to be so you knew about City Vista when you were applying to Low when I was applying to Low okay City Vista actually it's really really good project for those yeah. familiar with dc this is like what mid 2000 mid yeah aughts? so it yeah it de- it delivered in 2008 yeah yeah um and what was interesting about this project was one it was you know mount vernon triangle in dc area which is like the east side of the east end mm-hmm. of downtown at that time mm-hmm. and it was one of the first places that was going to put mm-hmm. a new urban grocery mm-hmm. store into dc they sort of did three commercial condos mm-hmm. one was a commercial condo for the apartment part of the building mm-hmm. another was a commercial condo for the condo part where they were going to then condo that condo mm-hmm. part out <laughs> to sell out condominiums and then the ground floor actually the, the bottom two levels bottom two levels were condoed out as a retail mm-hmm. um, space and so not to jump ahead but um after they delivered the project shortly thereafter there was a, a retail developer that then approached them to buy that retail portion of Mm -hmm. that building as soon as we delivered it yeah Yeah. and it opened my mind or um the idea that a ground floor of a large enough office building downtown is in essence a shopping center exactly and so exactly that's how they tended it up in Mm -hmm. the sense of you had your grocery anchor you had your junior anchor which at the time was results right uh results in ace hardware yeah which are two great you Mm -hmm. know for right. people that are living in, in, in a building right. like it was it was put together very well and then you had bus boys in the corner yeah, bus boys which was kind of like yeah. your junior anchor destination guy yeah. those of you that have been around dc for a while or even went to dc in the 90s and, and, and outs as you say <laughs> this was just like center of like homelessness prostitution the gentrification sites that you have now are cakewalk compared to what city vista looked like yeah before we came over there there were there were financing firms that would not finance that that deal i actually have a quick side story about that <laughs> so when we um started at city vista um the city at the time put up signs saying this is a no prostitution zone and we were just like what you know so this is part of changing cities' mindsets of how you redevelop right so as good as that intention was, we didn't want to brand anybody around it as a prostitute, even if they were prostituting. You know, we wanted to become a community as much as possible. You know, we knew that gentrification was going to occur, but the idea was not to, it was to uplift the community as opposed to, you know, drive everybody out. I, I just felt like, even though obviously prostitution is illegal and we can debate that about whether it should be or whatever, but that being aside, I felt like putting up a sign saying you're no longer welcome here was not 
how we wanted to enter the market. That was not the way that we were going to do it. And by setting that precedent, that didn't happen ever again in the district. Yeah, that's that wisdom. But so continue. Um, so you went to Low Enterprises. So went to Low. Uh, had a fantastic experience there. Uh, we did uh, Fort Totten, which is where the um, the Walmart. grocery anchor Walmart is um, on Riggs in South South Dakota. Uh, and that was a that was a good project too, uh, because we worked with the community extensively there, and I, and I you know I go there all the time, and I, I I hope that those community members think it's successful. So every community I go into, I want it to be successful for everybody involved, not just the people we're renting to or selling to. So that's kind of the mindset I go into it with, and it's not just like oh because I'm a developer I gotta be nice to you it's like okay I kind of feel your pain and I know what you're going through because they didn't have a grocery store they had a grocery store for years and the grocery store they had was Tiger Mark yeah you had to go to PG right right. so this gave them opportunity to get a grocery store like I said people may say whatever about Walmart but they came in there and they I think they did a good job and I think the project is succeeding and we did um, the Hepburn Um, so, so these extremes uh, City Vista is sort of middle market. Fort Totten is sort of middle lower, sort of plus or minus. Because it's giving an opportunity for people to rent in the district, you know, when, you know, the prices are sky high. And then Hepburn, which is top of market, um, very tip top of market, well over $4 a foot. When he's saying uh, $4 a foot, he's meaning that take the square footage of whatever unit yeah. that we're talking about, uh, multiply it times four. And yeah. that is your monthly rent. Yeah. So so a 600 square foot one stringer one bedroom would be $2,400. Or a deluxe studio. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So, it's big enough for you to put a partition right, up right, yourself. Right, right, right. But, but actually there are more than because it's sort of like a curve. So usually two bedrooms, uh, one bedrooms in that building probably close to the $5. So they're probably more like 3000 And you said where is this again? Um, this is in DuPont Circle or Calorama right behind the Washington Hilton. Okay. Yeah, right over there in Florida. Right. So after that experience of going, and I, and I had some other projects in between, uh, in between those sort of three sort of markers, I decided to go off on my own. And uh, that's been since July. So I'm really young in it, and I'm really um, still apprehensive. I'm still wet behind the ears, but I'm enjoying it. What's the name of the company? Evergreen Urban Real Estate Partners. Is there a story behind the name? <laughs> Not so much. Um, it's just a, a, a name um, that is a part legacy um, because I have a partner that have has owned a, a development company for some time called Evergreen Urban. He's a member. And I like the name um, mostly because it conveys sort of a permanence with the Evergreen. It conveys that we're going to treat the environment lightly, both the people's environment as well as that's the urban piece as well as the natural environment thankfully i have two very fantastic partners that are very versatile and uh we talk we talk every week about what's on each other's plates what's our expertise and you know who should be doing what and you know we go back and forth and as they say i probably argue a lot but in a good way are you ready for seven questions yes sir all right. What's the call, what? y'all? It's the questions. questions. It's the questions, boy. It's the questions. It's the questions. Yeah. Question number one: Book to add to the library. 
So that is uh, probably, I, I thought long and hard about this because I read a lot. And I was thinking look, over the last five years, what book probably impacted me the most. And it's a it's an unusual book. Uh, it's called uh, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. It's a Christian book. It's a very dense Christian book. Probably one of the densest. One Second the, to the Bible. <laughs> but it's it's very like psychological, physical. So he talks about the different parts of us, like the soul, the spirit, the mind, the body. And he breaks down how we clean out all the stuff sort of within us to become the person God wants you to be. And it's very complex, but I just loved it. I was like reading it everywhere. I'd be on a train. I'd be standing in line at, uh, you know, the cupcake place. I, you know, I'd, be reading this, I'd be reading this book everywhere. Like, because oftentimes when I go to the cities, I always ask, what's the place with the longest line, right? Like somewhere to eat, right? And I just, if I'm by myself, I just veg out there because there's good people watching, right? So I just sit there and read, talk on the phone, whatever I do. But I was reading that book. And it was just an amazing book. And it really, really, for where I was in my life, it really helped me because I'm very logical, very type A. It helped me kind of categorize. Like, okay, that's mind, that's body, that's soul, that's spirit. This is what I need to work on in those different areas. Um, so it's a fantastic book. And it's one that I recommend sometimes. I always have to feel the person out because I don't, ultimately, I don't think... You have to be, uh, you know, go to church every Sunday person to read that book um, because I think it has a broader message. But, you know, like I said, but I've I've recommended other people and they said the same thing. It's like it's amazing. Once you get into it, it's amazing um, just how he breaks down the whole thing. So. All right. Question number two. Podcast subscribe. <laughs> I've never subscribed. I've never even listened to podcasts. The only way I've listened to podcasts is indirectly. I think NPR has a uh, show about like greatest podcasts this week or something like that. And so I hear that. Um, and then people are like, well, if you listen to NPR, you could do podcasts because they have podcasts. You know, it's just like, okay. So you do listen to NPR though? Yes. Okay. What shows on NPR do you like? All things considered. Okay. That's yeah. a podcast. I know. That's what I'm saying. So people are like, you already listen to podcasts. You just don't know it. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So we're going to say all things considered. <laughs> all right. Uh, number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. A mentor. Good answer. First, first of all, I think I've, I, I have had mentors throughout my life, but none of them crystallized in my mind as a mentor. And when I came into real estate, so I, I lasted like 30 something years um, without a mentor, right? Without, because people are like, oh, choose a mentor. As soon as you get to work, choose a mentor, find a mentor. I'd be like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't know these people. You know, that's, that's how I would think, right? So one of them um, that evolved is um, Pamela Bundy. Shout out to Pam. And, and she has a valuation background too. Yes. Shout out to all y'all appraisers <laughs> out there. So Pamela Bundy, Bundy and I became friends. And then all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, she's my mentor. Like when something's not going right or something, I, I call her, you know, hey, Pam, what about this? And she she gives me an answer. And I realized that she's my mentor. Um, the other was Rest His Soul, um, Bob Weekly, who announced himself as my mentor at Lowe. <laughs> so, so, 
so I'm just like, oh, this is my mentor. Because we've been talking. He set up like monthly things with me and I didn't really think anything of it. And then I realized, I was like, this is my mentor. And he was incredible. He worked at Lowe with you. He worked at Lowe. Um, he's incredible. He's a Baker Scholar from Harvard Business School back in the, I guess that'll be the 80s. I'm probably doing the math wrong. And he was a partner at Lowe. And he also had all these side businesses and he was just an incredible person, very giving, you know, very, very smart, um, new residential, like by the back of his head. And so he saw something in me to choose. He basically chose me as a mentee. He died of uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, mm. What was great was I was at the point where I was like, oh, I should probably pull back because we had this month, these monthly meetings. He was no longer coming to work. He was that sick. And then one day his assistant calls and she's like, Bob Weekly wants to talk to you. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, like, I'm like, okay, because I was trying to dial back because he started sounding bad. And I was like, but he wanted to talk to me. And that last conversation, which I won't really put on this because there was a lot of stuff in there, was just so deep. And that's when I was like, he's my mentor, even though he's passed and gone. And whenever somebody says mentor, I'm going to always say his name because that last speech, and it was three to four days before he passed away, was just incredible and it set me on the journey that I'm in on now it, it helped me sort of realize who I was because he saw he told me who he saw I was so this was like a, a life's type of mm-hmm. advice type mm-hmm. of deal mm-hmm. like a man on his dying bed and this is this is yeah this is you know ain't no front here right right ain't no fronting like i'm telling you who it is because if i thought you were terrible i wouldn't be talking to you and i'm i may be breathing my last breaths so it's a very good answer mm-hmm. number four bucket list place to travel this is a place in the world that you have been to yes that you recommend the listeners add to their bucket list uh definitely ethiopia is there a specific city e- yes i would say lalibela and axum uh they're two separate cities but uh I just found Ethiopia incredible. I was led uh, to go to Ethiopia by I mean, most most of the stuff I do. I I look for a manifestation in the flesh and one in the spirit. Um, so I was led to Ethiopia because I wanted something very spiritual as my sort of clean the ram or rom or whatever it is <laughs> trip after low. Uh, so I wanted to go somewhere. 30 to 40 to 50 days. I tried not to be too dramatic with the numbers by saying 40 days and 40 nights, but it was about 40 days. <laughs> um, so I went to Egypt and Ethiopia and Egypt was amazing, but I knew what to expect in Egypt. Um, Ethiopia, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was willing to go. And it was just incredible the spiritual experience that I had there. The antiquity of their Christianity, the depth of their Christianity. Uh, which was very, very, I cannot explain how different it is from my Christianity and where I was raised in a sort of Judeo-Euro-Christian. That's what I was wondering. Is it it more like, uh, I guess you'd say, Orthodox Jewish? Uh, No, because that's the weird part. It's like, it's as if there was an alternative timeline for Christianity. So think about culture that was exposed to Judaism prior to the time of Jesus and a culture that was exposed to Jesus within a hundred years of his death. So they had the same sort of input that Israel or, you know, would have, but they were very isolated. 
this is very hard to get to Ethiopia. So Christianity developed on an alternative timeline in an alternative way, but it's just as Christian. You feel it, you know it's Christian. Some aspects of it are very similar, but some of the stories are a little different. They express the same thought, but they're a little different. Um, the veneration of saints are a little different from the Catholic Church, or and obviously Protestants don't venerate saints at all. But like I said, I felt it in my bones. And for a nation that has never been colonized by Europeans, purely African, probably the cradle of civilization, to have that. So all those sort of layers kind of layer into the richness of the experience that when you go and see the temples in Lalibela and you go to Axum and you see the Maritism Church uh, where the Ark of the Covenant is stored and that kind of stuff. But like I said, whether you believe in any of it or not, that sort of... Thing. Are these two cities close to one another? Uh, it's a flight. Okay. Um, so they are close, but I think the road. I think the roads are just so difficult people find it uncomfortable i won't say difficult is there one over the other that if someone was saying hey i gotta go to one Lollibella. okay i think one of over over the other axum is impressive because you see the the evidence of the 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 civilization of punt and uh the axumite empire which predated the europeans hmm. um so yes. what version of the bible do they read they have their own version in Gez, I think it is. And, and I, like I said, I know one of your podcast people are like, what is this guy talking about? He doesn't know everything. I don't know anything. I was literally there for 20 days of the 40s. So. If but, one wanted to find the yeah. English translated version of that Bible. I don't, I feel like there may, I know there's, there's, it's not all in Gez anymore. I think they've translated to uh, Amharic, but I, I didn't ever find an English version of it over there all right number five 50 mile detour restaurant i'm from jacksonville so i have a shout out uh i've been toying with this back and forth can i give two or do i have the one you can give me two but you got to pick one <laughs> so the two would be uh jenkins barbecue delicious barbecue i love barbecue i love it's mustard based um but it's just beautiful and then coastal cookies so i said i feel like those are different because one's dessert so i don't know if that's a restaurant so technically, I guess that's not a restaurant because all they serve is cookies. All right, so we're going to say Jenkins. Like Jenkins that's, that's in Jacksonville, right? That's in Jacksonville. All right. Why is that one hold a special place in your heart? Uh, one, my dad used to bring it home all the time. It comes in like, you know, the the barbecue paper. I don't know what that's called, like parchment kind of paper or whatever that is. Uh, and they wrap it up and it's just delicious. And the way they put the bread in there, it's just, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> And it's very down home. It's nothing special uh, as far as like the restaurant itself. But the food is very special. And I just feel like the love of my family and everything kind of coming through. Um, because it reminds me of home and, and those days. of so dad's bringing home barbecue kind of thing. Uh, uh, so. Okay. Number six, your number one skill. is your number one honed craft. You had to work at this. You spent your 10,000 yeah. hours for this guy. Yeah. So that is definitely um, envisioning real estate. But my background is such that, and this is this has been very powerful for me, and I'm learning the skill, and this is part of what Bob Leakley was saying. I'm learning the skill more and more. So a lot of people can envision the physical. So think about my civil engineering background. Some people can envision the financial. 
and then some people can vision the legal so i can envision all three so i can envision like what you were saying about the condominization of city vista i can envision how we do that how we make the documents work i can come up with a structure for how to do this and i can come up with a financial structure and i can tell you how much the rents are and how much i can tell you what the cap rate is going to be i can tell you know so that's looking at it as a financial instrument as opposed to like a physical building and then physically i can say no i don't like that i like this this is what is this is what it wants to be like i always say that this is what it wants to be but the fourth dimension is what i discovered um somewhere between fort todd and hepburn i can start to envision who our customer will be so through those three lenses i'm able to say i know how much they have to pay i know what the structure of the deal will be i know what the physical will be so fred will most likely live here you know and so then you can develop the marketing plan the the fixtures and everything around that sort of personality the so target market the target market okay yeah but like I said, for me, just riding around, because I sit around, like I said, I stand in lines and watch people. <laughs> I can physically also see the person, not just the demo between this and this, African-American, college educated, but I can I cannot just see the demo. I can see the actual person. Like, although these two people are in the same demo, this one will stay there, that one will not. So that's what I'm trying to continue to hone because I think that makes better living places for folks long term I wouldn't disagree mm-hmm. last but certainly not least your number one talent so I would say this comes from my nature I um although I've hopefully I've been very good on this and not stumbled so much I grew up with a speech impediment so my talent is relating and translating because I had to be translated so much that I really, really try to listen to what a person's saying and try to relate to it before I translate it, right? So, so, so would this like be I, a version of like empathy? Yeah. So, like, like I was saying, like, all, like I was saying about the police officer, and that's why I gave him so much praise because I could see where he was coming from. I could relate and translate how it made me feel, right, and how how it made because I could I could envision that. And not be torn torn apart by other things in my mind, like Black Lives Matter, you know, um, black on black crime, police brutality. Like I, I didn't get caught up in that because I'm able to get into that space and say, okay, this is what I take away from that, and be able to translate that for others. So that's, I think that's in my nature, and I think it's because I was not heard as well as I could have been for a very long time. Great answers. Mm-hmm. You got any social media website <laughs> for Evergreen or LinkedIn? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, my name is not unique, but unique at the same time. So my name is Joe Carroll. My legal name is Joe Carroll. I mean, there's not it's not Joseph and um, it's one L in Carroll. So typically people can find me fairly quickly on LinkedIn or, or Facebook. Right. And we will be putting up a website for Evergreen probably in the next two to three months. I was a big proponent of putting the projects before the marketing. All right. So you said Evergreen Urban is the name. Evergreen Urban. Real Estate Partners is the technical name. So E-U-R-E-P. Ah, Europe. <laughs> Shout out to the Bodega Boys. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Guestbook Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you want to reach us, go to unionindc.com. It's U-N-I-O-N-I-N-N-D-C.com. Shoot me an email, innkeeper at unionindc.com. And we're on the gram <laughs> at unionindc, at guestbookpod, and at innkeeperfreddy if you want to shoot me a note directly. Joe? Thank you, Fred, for inviting me today. This is fantastic. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for coming on. And hopefully we'll get you on again at some point. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, joining us, and we will see you next week. Drum roll. Well, no, because what happens is we have. Uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it for you. Hold on. You don't have to play the drum roll for me. I'll no, it's not the it drum roll. <laughs> I got the intro with the the common song oh. questions. Okay. It's uh-huh. like, what's it called, y'all? Yeah. It's the question. That's a family one. It's the question. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. <laughs> I, that, that completely slipped my mind. <laughs> you are absolutely right about yeah. this. Yeah. I like you. Keep it orange and green in here.